0: and welcome you to service this morning. And I pray that you'll just enter in with your hearts and minds open. And just let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Amen. Just to draw you closer to Him. Amen. If there's something troubling you today, I pray that you could let it go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's just give Him our all today and pour ourselves out upon the altar. Amen. That He could touch us. Amen. And drop something in our hearts that would change our lives. Hallelujah. I have the little song on my heart. <clears throat> Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for the cross.
1: Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the you made. Bearing all my sin and shame.
0: great is our God. that he's worthy. Amen. I hope your life is being touched this morning by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing another. My, I feel just, just charged with energy when you sing like that. My, If it does that to me, imagine what it does to God. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song, my favorite, The Days of Elijah. Hey, well, I'm up here so let's sing it together.
1: Well, these are the days of Elijah declaring Are the days of your servant Moses righteousness be and restore? And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and soul, we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. come well, these are the days of Ezekiel The dry bones be coming as flesh these are the days of your servant David be building a temple of free. Let's sing every praises to our God. Well, every praise is to our God. Every word of worship, one of Every praise, every praise, oh, it's to our God. Sing hallelujah, glory, oh, hallelujah.
0: Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Let's calm our spirits and our hearts now as we go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll just ask the musicians, invite them to play something softly. Have several needs here that we'd like you to be remembering. I would like for you to remember uh, my daughter Caitlin and sister Rebecca Ivy. They are traveling. And uh, they're at a youth camp today, or a family camp at this time in Norway, at a rising tabernacle. If you would kindly remember them in your prayers, God would touch them while they're there, that they would be a blessing to the people as well. Amen, that God would move in a mighty way. Amen. I pray that you would uh, remember the Florians today. Uh, understand they're not with us. And if you keep them in prayer. Uh, Aaron it's uh, uh, the little girl is... Uh, not feeling well, if you would remember uh, remember her in prayer and the family, and we would greatly appreciate that. Amen. want we'll to remember Sister Liddy, who's not with us as well, Sister Liddy Ivy. And she would bring her, uh, God would bring her back safely uh, to our assembly. Amen. Um, I have a special need here uh, for Brother says brother joel is needing a needing a miracle for his back Amen. let's remember this special need in prayer and that god would touch brother joel and and what he's dealing with i'm sure he's been dealing with that situation for a very long time so we're going to be praying for him and let's keep him in our, our our thoughts and our prayers amen that's all the special needs that i have at this time um do you have unspoken prayer requests by the uplift of hands, Brother Mark Sylvester, if you'll come forward and take these needs to the Lord for us, Brother, we'd appreciate that, amen.
2: Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, it's, uh, we can already say, Lord, it's good to be in your house, Lord, feeling your presence, Lord, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Lord, as you sing the songs unto you, Father. Lord, it stirs up a joy, and Lord, uh, as as Your Word says, unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, we thank You for that, Father, for it's it's a very precious, Lord. It's uh, it's without money and without price, and Lord, to us, it's life, Lord. It, it's what we need, Father, that keeps us, Lord, on this journey, Lord. We we come back and we. Every, every time there's service, Lord, and we want more and more, we just can't have enough of your goodness, Father, and your love. We thank you for that, Lord. And Father, Lord, these requests that was made known, Lord, we pray that you will grant each, Lord, you see what they are written out on paper, Lord, and we rehearse them, Lord, in your ears, Lord, and we pray that you will hear and reach out with your mighty hand, Lord, like only you can do, and answer each one, Father. And Lord, as the word comes, Lord, we pray you'll be with your servant lord and anoint him mightily lord and that we may he may deliver the word that you would have us to hear today father and lord anoint us lord that we may receive it lord without any hindrances father that we may be lord in our life it, it bring forth fruit lord that you would see and be pleased with father we thank you lord for all your blessings your goodness and mercies to us father we thank you for the blood cleanses us of our sins lord we pray forgive us and lord we want to say take this opportunity to say we love you we love your word lord and we thank you for sending it lord in this hour lord jesus when we need it most father we thank you and we give you glory and praise lord and everything that's done or said for the rest of the service we pray you'll receive honor and glory for we ask it in jesus name amen
0: Brother Mark, I'll let you have your seats. I don't mean to keep you standing so long, but it's it's hard to sit down and sing those kind of worship songs. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, We have a couple specials this morning. Uh, Sister uh, little Annie Godwin has a, a special for us, and they can be making their way to the front. I have a couple announcements as they're getting prepared there. Uh, that we just need to be aware of. <clears throat> uh, I've been asked to uh, remind the church if, uh, if you could remember to uh, get a picture of the uh, family, you know, each, each, uh, each family, if you would get that uploaded into the church directory. Uh, that would be helpful. Um, they're just asking that you all would remember to do that, uh, to just update your pictures, if you have updated pictures, or if you've not done it, to get those updated. And uh, also, <clears throat> the adult choir will be rehearsing today uh, from 3.30 to 5 o'clock. Is that correct, Sister Laura? So the adult choir will be rehearsing from 3 to 5, and this is for ages 13 and up. And anyone new to our assembly who's interested in joining the choir, uh, you would need to come around 3.15 for a brief meeting. And man, I'm sure Sister Laura would want to uh, discuss some things with you. Um, please do not be late for the rehearsals. We try to be concise with our times there and uh, we just want to make sure that we're on time for that and if you're unable to attend today, uh, please see Sister Laura after service. Amen. A beautiful, little special, amen. Out of the mouth of babes, amen. amen. A wonderful thing, amen. Uh, we have uh, Brother Wayne and Sister Faye with us today, and we're always grateful to see them. Long time friends and members of the assembly, and we uh, have great respect for Brother Wayne and Sister Faye. If they want to make their way forward, they have a special force today. Let's give them a hand. It's good to see them, isn't
3: it? <laughs>
1: Well, it's It's good to be here today. Good to see each one of you. You know, everybody's looking really good today. We're not here to see each other. We're here to see him. And it's a double treat. Got to hear my granddaughter sing this morning. and really appreciate that. And, And he's also taking piano lessons now, so we just have great hopes. I know she'll do good. We love y'all this morning and just good to see everyone and we want to see him this morning. You know, we love we, the worship that we have this morning and God is just so good to us.
4: When we, when Brother Barry first came to the church, we could have probably all sat on the first three rows So I am just. My prayer at that time was, Lord, please lead the people here that You want to, to have here. And I'm so thrilled to
3: see the church full.
4: It's my desire live for jesus it's my desire to live for him though often i failed him and caused him much pain
0: God bless you, Amen. Hallelujah. I believe it's time for the Word. I just feel in my spirit, our hearts, and our minds are ready for that. If our deacons would come forward at this time, let's all stand. We're going to take up our morning offering, man. And you just feel free and give us unto the Lord, man, your tithes and your offerings, brother Jeff. If you'll lead us in prayer. got a song coming to my heart through it all I've had many tears and sorrows I've had
1: questions for tomorrow and many times I didn't know right from wrong but in every situation He gave me blessed consolation that my trials only come to make me strong Trust in Jesus Oh, I've learned to trust in God We him for storms he's brought me through oh and if I never had a problem how could I know my God would solve them how could I know with faith in God could do sing it as your pastor
5: company of the saints, Lord, is a wonderful thing. The redeemed of the cross of Calvary. And Now, Lord Jesus, we give you this day. We give you, Lord, our bodies as a living sacrifice. Father, we give you what is our reasonable service. And we present ourselves, Lord, before you this morning and just say, look at us through the blood of Jesus Christ. There are none of us, Lord, in this life that are perfect and Father, we are so thankful that we have a sacrifice that went before us. And now, Lord Jesus, I pray you'd forgive us of anything that may be contrary to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we uh, partake of the manna, Lord that you provide for us in this last day, Lord, I, I just pray that you would just take complete control, Lord, and direct the further part of this service Lord fill our cups I pray and speak to our hearts Lord Jesus we're not just here because it's a Sunday Lord we're here because we love you and we we so desire to be in your presence and it speaks of a world that is coming Lord where we will one day step into that place into that body so father have your way now we pray we ask your blessing upon all that's done now in Jesus Christ's lovely name amen and amen praise the Lord God bless you. You may be seated this morning, saints. And uh, we'll let our musician... Well, actually, uh, Sister Beck, if you could stay, and we'll let our musician slip back there and because uh, we're going to do a dedication this morning. We welcome all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's certainly good to see all of you here today. And uh, may God bless you all. Uh, it's certainly an honor to be uh, with you today. Be back on uh, home, uh, home territory. And uh, be back with you again, Lord willing. Uh, we'll be around for a while. I'm not sure whether that's going to be received as good news or bad news, but I'll be around for a while. I do have, uh, you remember, some of you uh, locals remember I had surgery a couple of years ago on my left hand, and I have to have surgery on my right hand this summer, and uh, so that will will be something that I'll have to schedule in the summer, but we'll be around and uh, looking forward to the fellowship, and it'll probably impede the bean toss for a week or two, but other than that, uh, it should be good. So we welcome all of you today, and uh, if you could bring up my uh, PowerPoint there, please. And that will really help. My uh, my laptop is in here. If you guys need to, somebody needs to go get that. That'd be great. Now. <clears throat> um, I wanted to mention that we have uh, our financial piece, and just a couple of quick things here before they get the uh, PowerPoint there. Uh, financial piece cutoff for registration is next Sunday, next weekend, and we've moved it to Sunday evening. Uh, we have a number of folks that have signed up, some that are outside, and you're certainly welcome uh, to let friends and family know uh, if they'd like to be a part of that, uh, but get your registration done so that you can uh, be included there. And that will start in the first week of August. Uh, we have, as we have mentioned, we have Brother Stacy Goodbread, who's coming from Florida, is going to be here uh, next weekend. And uh, we're looking forward to that and the fellowship. And we'll have two services uh, on, on next Sunday. All right? So that'll be good. Now, um, we are going to have a dedication here uh, this morning. And we are honored to have... Um, All the coffees uh, with us here this morning, and they're all scattered around, but we're glad to have them uh, with us. So I'm going to read a scripture out of Mark chapter 10, and if you'd like to turn there with me. Mark chapter 10 and verse 13. And they brought young children to him, to Jesus, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children that come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. And verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and he blessed them. So we are honored to have uh, Sophia Faith uh, with us, uh, Sophia Faith Godwin, and uh, if the Godwins would like to come, and anyone else in the family who would like to come, we'd love to have you uh, to come on up here today. It's uh, just great to have all all the family here today. Caitlin. It's great to have you here today. God bless you. And Lincoln. Where's Lincoln? Where's Lincoln? Put your hand up. Where's Lincoln? There he is. Now, we we prayed for Lincoln uh, Hennies. Hen we prayed for Lincoln uh, a year or two back, and he had two years ago and uh, had been going through some real health difficulties and gaining weight and so forth. Uh, and we mentioned him several times and so forth. And this is Lincoln. He sure looks like a healthy young, young lad. And uh, we're just delighted that he's doing well. So we're thankful. Lincoln, good to have you, buddy. Good to have you here today. And uh, may God bless you. God answers prayer, doesn't he? And God answers prayer in bringing little children into the world. And it's God's way of saying that life goes on. And I think it's a wonderful thing uh, to be able to see families grow and to be able to uh, enjoy one another and have the fun of raising kids and uh, the challenges that go with it. But we're excited for Josh and Kristen and all they've been through and coming to where they are. Anna and Annie enjoyed that song today. It was really good. Thank you. Just a real blessing. I hope to be many more. Sophia is the Greek word for wisdom. And it is, a, it is a special term uh, in Scripture. And um, I have a soft spot for Sophia's because I have a granddaughter whose name is Sophia. But she's just a cutie. Is she always this pleasant? Annie? Always this? She's just, she just very content. <clears throat> We're going to pray over her and dedicate her to the Lord. And, and uh, with it, as you know, goes a challenge to you two Uh, And God must love you because he gave you these three wonderful girls, beautiful girls to raise in this world. And that takes all of the grace that uh, God gives and all the resources that uh, he has available for parents in these days. And it's not an easy task. But God wouldn't give it to you if he didn't feel you could do it. That would defeat his purpose if if he didn't have the resources available for you. Your job is to draw from that well. Draw from those resources every day. Uh, when it comes to patience, when it comes to finances, when it comes to uh, you know, discipline, every area of raising kids today. Uh, we just trust that you'll take advantage of all that God supplies because he's faithful. And he's the one who sent life into the world. So we're thankful for that. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads together and we pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ for Sophia Faith, We dedicate her life, Lord, back into your hands and pray that you would receive her, Lord. And, Father, may your angels now from this day forward, Lord, may they encamp around about her. We dedicate her to your service. We dedicate her, Lord, into your hands and believe, Lord, that you had a special purpose in sending these girls into this world. And, Lord, for Sophia as well. And we pray in the name of Jesus that you would just come by, Lord, and visit her and Lord, help her in the difficult times, and as she grows, Lord, to, to learn to love you and to learn your word, may she rest upon your principles, Lord, and rest in your presence all the days of her life. We ask, O oh God, that as her name implies, that you would give her great wisdom, and Lord, the ability to make decisions that are in harmony with your word. And of course, Lord, the decision to serve you, and Lord, may she do it early and young in life, that Lord, she can walk with you in a special way. We pray, Lord, for Josh and Kristen, Lord, and we thank you for their lives and all they've been through. And, Lord, what brings them to this place today, we know is just your grace. And so we commit them into your hands. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful family, family, Lord, with many testimonies and many experiences, Lord. And may they all bind their hearts together, Lord, as I know they will, to help Josh and Kristen to be a community to raise this little child. We commit the whole family now, especially Sophia Faith, into your hands. In the beautiful and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. She's a cutie. We're just going to take you home. I never had boys in my... She just said yes. She'd like to go home with us. Yeah. God bless you both. Jesus loves me. Oh yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me the Well, today is a special day. John Anthony Harville was born into the world. The world was never the same after that day. How old are you? What? 24. God bless you. July 17th is Sister Jessica's birthday. Jessica Pugh, God bless you. And uh, great to have you today. And Brindley Hughes. Brindley's out here, right? So we wish her a happy birthday as well. It's Sister Karen's granddaughter. July 18th is Sister Sheba Javed's birthday in New York, and uh, they're very much a part of us, and uh, they're going to be coming to visit us, and uh, so we wish Sister Sheba uh, a happy birthday. And then July 21st is Titus Mayle's birthday. Is Titus Mail here? No, not here. We wish Titus uh, a happy birthday on his birthday. So this is the, uh, the sign for financial peace, and the link is on the bottom. Uh, there's a special uh, rate for HBT folks, and so you're welcome to go there. You have one week to do it, uh, so make sure you, you get in on that. If you've never been a part of it, uh, it's, a, it's a blessing, and it is very useful, and I would recommend it. That's why I provide it, and uh, we are looking forward to having a great uh, session. So next weekend will be the cutoff. A couple of activities and announcements here. Next week, Brother Stacy Goodbread will have two services On the Sunday, Brother Trevor Eamon will be here on August 19th, and we'll have three services on that weekend. Saturday night, two on Sunday, Labor Day. Brother Paul Lafontaine is going to be here. Two services on that Sunday. Financial Peace, and then our annual dinner at the end of the year will be December 15th. So, just a couple of dates for you to uh, keep in mind. There's the definition of the word Sophia, which means wisdom. And uh, it is from the Greek word sophos, very important word in Scripture, uh, often used. And if you want to ask for anything, the Bible says, ask liberally uh, for wisdom. And uh, so that's a wonderful name. And may God richly bless uh, the Godwins today. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to look in the Bible in Nehemiah chapter four as we begin today. Now we are, <clears throat> while you're looking, we're going to be doing some renovations starting soon here in the church. Uh, They're not going to be in the sanctuary. They're going to be in the lobby out here, and uh, we're going to be doing some work on both bathrooms, so we're going to have a little bit of a shift, and you'll be made aware of that when it uh, comes to pass. We're going to move the women to the men's temporarily. Men are going to be out in the fellowship hall, and uh, we're going to do some renovations quickly there, and a couple of other things that you'll see uh, going on, but we'll give you advance notice of that, and we appreciate our trustees who are working on that uh, for us. The other thing is I wanted to mention is that Wednesday night we're going to have a uh, special guest, Brother Charles Taylor from Ghana. And Brother Charles uh, is a uh, very great help for us with Vision Books in Ghana. Uh, helps to distribute all over that part of the world, Liberia, Ghana, Nigeria, uh, Ivory Coast, several other nations there. And uh, his, you may remember, I, I failed to have a picture of him today, but you may remember we prayed for his wife, A couple of months ago, she had cancer and passed away, and Brother Charles is now in the States. He's going to be coming to uh, join us and be here on Wednesday night, so we're looking forward to that. Nehemiah chapter 4, and as we look in this little passage of Scripture, I'm going to encourage you to listen to what's read and what we read out of Nehemiah chapter 4 today. It's going to be it's going to be an an important passage for us to read. Chapter 4, verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth, and he took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what do these feeble Jews? This is Nehemiah writing about this instance here. And <clears throat> he's quoting what they're saying. <clears throat> and and they're, they're mocking and saying, what, what, what are these feeble Jews up to? Will they fortify themselves? Will they actually attempt to defend themselves against all of us? And will they sacrifice and will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones? out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for prey in the land of captivity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we read your word, Lord, the very best thing we can do now is give the book into your hands. Pray that you would speak to us, Lord, and pray that you would minister to our hearts. Come, I pray now, in the volume of the book, Lord, and minister truth to us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And all the brides said, Amen. Shake hands at somebody close by and say, God bless you, pilgrim. Welcome to the house of the Lord, and you can be seated this morning. Thank you, Brother Jeremy, for getting that up for me. Restore the stones. They were mocking the Jews in verse 2 and saying, Oh my goodness, what are these Jews up to? They'll never do it. They. They began to rail against uh, the returning Jews under Nehemiah and Ezra. And they said, do you, do you really expect, do you really think that you guys can revive the stones, the rocks that have fallen down and uh, are, everything's in, a dis, in disarray? The wall is full of holes and gaps and uh, there's no order to anything anymore. Uh, you've been gone for 70 years and the whole place is in disarray. Do, do you think you can actually restore the stones? he can actually restore uh, the wall back to its place again and worship. And this is what they're asking. They're, they're not asking in a way that they want to know. They're asking, like, uh, who do you think you are? And do you really think you can pull this off? I mean, there is no way. And, and they're, they're, they're contradicting uh, Nehemiah. They're contradicting all the builders. And they're hoping uh, to pick at uh, those builders in a way that... Uh, they, they would uh, try to discourage them and try to distract them from the, uh, from the vision that they have and the work that they're doing. And so this is a, uh, this is a pretty serious thing. And I will tell you that uh, God always responds to uh, uh, statements like this. God always responds to people who make fun of God's people. It's never a healthy thing for you to make fun of God's people. And as a general rule of thumb, it's better off for you not to make fun of somebody who may be God's people, because perchance they are God's people, you're actually making fun of God. And, and you, need to be, you need to be careful about that, very, very careful uh, about that. Because <clears throat> Brother Branham said, now, it was a paradox when all the smart men there was in the world in the days of Jesus, and God put the kingdom in the hands of the one who was considered ignorant and unlearned. And that was Peter, Right? It was a paradox. I mean, if you would think logically that God would, give, if God's going to have somebody administer the kingdom and run the show on earth here while uh, while Jesus is, is uh, you know, ascends back to the Father, He'd give it to somebody who's got an administrative ability. He'd give it to some of you folks that are here that are businessmen and smart men and have a good mind for things and are able to uh, assemble and organize. But He doesn't do that. He gives it to Peter. <clears throat> Peter basically is a fisherman. He just knows how to fish. That's really what his calling is. He's good at it. That's all that he does. But God puts the keys of the kingdom into the hands of Peter. He says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And one of the smartest men in the world of that day was Caiaphas, the high priest. And then Brother Brandon goes on to say, and what's, most, what's the most important thing in the world today? He said, what's the most important thing to God? That's a great question. What do you think God values highly uh, in the world? He said, it's God's church. How many would agree? The thing that God considers very important in the world today is God's church. And God made the earth. He made it for a purpose to take a church out of it, a bride. And that's the most important job in the world. And he's referring to ministers that minister to that bride. And God's very jealous about uh, the people who minister to uh, the bride of Christ. And he said, this is something very, very important to God. This This ranks up there as one of the most important jobs in the world. That's what he says on the bottom line. Very important to God. And so therefore... Uh, this, is, this is something that we want to take seriously if you're called to be a minister uh, the bride of Christ you, you, you have to take that very carefully very seriously and, and trod very carefully because if he values her that highly you want to make sure you're doing things that please him you may not always be doing things that please her but you have to do things that please him because you know what he purchased the church he purchased it with his own blood he went all the way, he went all the way to purchase the church. And so you've got to be very careful how you minister to that, uh, that elect lady. And then the elect lady has to be very, uh, we had to be very right in our responses to the ministry that God sends. Is that okay? That's not the statement of a controller now. I'm just saying that we always, we can please God when we respond right to the things that God sends to us. When God sends things that are for your correction or God sends things that are for your help or God sends things that are uh, designed primarily just to make you ready for the kingdom that you're moving into, you want to make sure you respond to that correctly. And even though it may not always be pleasant, like there are times when uh, we use the illustration very often of how you can rub the cat the wrong way, right? You can rub the fur the wrong way. And if you've never done it, you ought to try it. But don't try it. Because you'll soon find out that that's not a very pleasant thing. It doesn't end, it doesn't end well. And uh, it, it, is, it is something that uh, God, God reminds us of many, many times and in many different ways here. And that's the church that he took out of this world. And out of that church, he took a bride. That bride is special. And he said, that's the most important job in the world. How many of you can say amen? That's a very important job, how He ministered to that church. Now, <clears throat> I want to give you a little... Uh, a quotation here, and uh, there's a couple of paragraphs here out of a very important message called Christ the Mystery of God reveal. And what I'm doing here is preambling, and I want to give you this uh, in reading this just for a few moments, and then we're going to move on. But it'll help us to uh, put in context what I want to talk about today uh, to you. And uh, we've, been, we've been talking about this whole uh, idea of the church that worships in spirit and in truth and they go through a transformation or going through a transformation. I believe that we go through a transformation until we leave here or we die, one or the other. We, we are constantly being changed into his image. Isn't that right? We're changed to think like, uh, like the people in the kingdom think. And we're not being conditioned, as I've said many times, we are not being conditioned to live here in this world. And if that was true, God would, uh, <clears throat> he would uh, fortify us much stronger uh, than what we are. Uh, we, don't, we don't have many smart, many noble, many rich, many powerful people among us, right? We're just, uh, we're just common folks like everybody else. God has not fortified the bride and given her an army, given her representatives in Washington. God's not given us a great deal of money. God's not given us, you know, high fences around our churches. Not done that. We're a very vulnerable people, really, when you think about it. And, and, and God's not done that. God's not done that. But, but he's not left us alone. God has given us a great thing. He's given us a great protection. And, and I want you to just think this morning about this now and look at the <clears throat> excuse me, the statement that he makes here. And Brother Graham's talking about <clears throat> the headship of Christ. And in that he says, I'm talking about his headship. And we have the answer to the devil's question. Now it's interesting that Brother Branham never he never states what the question actually is. He never does, but he says we got the answer. Many times here in this little section, he says we got the answer absolutely, but he never defines what the question is. I think that's interesting. I think as you move along here in this little quote, I'm going to give you, you'll get a sense of what the question actually is. But he says we have the answer to the devil's question, and he says glory, he Christ is risen, paid the price. And he's raising up the body. Thank God he's still raising up the body of Christ. The devil can't stand it. And that's the reason these ecumenical kingdoms are setting up. And that's the reason they're all coming into what they're doing now. The devil, that's the reason he's howling the way he is. His wickedness, his schemes have been uncovered by the risen, resurrected Christ in the headship over his body. The devil can't stand it. What God is actually doing now in our time, and I'm talking about July 2023, what God's actually doing right now, I can assure you, the devil can't stand it. He actually hates it. Because it is a bride who's coming into a place of maturity. It is a bride who's coming into a place of fullness. It's a bride who's coming into a place of full awareness that we are not just another church or another movement, but we are actually the bride of Jesus Christ as living in the face, of the, in living on this earth before we ascend into that kingdom, and we'll do it eventually without death for those that are uh, alive and remain. The, I don't know if that excites you, but that excites me. And he says the devil can't stand it, and that's the reason that things are happening in the ecumenical world, and uh, that's the reason he said that the devil is howling the way he is. Because I will tell you something, that the devil always hates the fulfillment of God's Word. He hates the coming to pass of God's Word. He hates it no matter when it's taken place. Uh, He hates it no matter who is actually involved. He just can't stand it. Because when God's Word comes to pass, just exactly as God said it, that's that's proof that God is alive and He's all-powerful making the Word become preeminent and making the word uh, the, the, the primary thing. And, and when God speaks something, there's nothing can stop it. And every time God's word is fulfilled, uh, the devil realizes, goodness, that's something else that God's done. That's something else that God has accomplished. That's something else that God has said. And I couldn't stop. That's something else that God has said, and I can do nothing about it. And I've got 200,000,000 demons on the earth here, and they still can't stop these folks. They're still coming to church, and they're still thanking God for the message of the hour, and they're still thanking God for a prophet who died in 1965, but they're still excited about it. They're putting the resources into the printing of it and distributing it all over the world, and they're still quoting it word for word, and, ah, I can't stop it, and he howls against this this people that are actually fulfilling God's word with each passing day. But flip your, flip your Bible back, spiritually speaking, flip your Bible back to Nehemiah. And when Nehemiah and his crew were back in Jerusalem rebuilding the wall, what did the devil do but howl against it? Who do you think you guys are? Hey, you think you're going to revive the stones? Do you think you're actually going to come back to true worship again? Come on, give me a break. You can't be that people. You can't be uh, that, those people that God has chosen here. Surely, surely, uh, you, you're, you're, uh, you're a people who are uh, deluded here into thinking that you're actually the people God chose to restore the walls and uh, restore worship and restore Israel or Jerusalem back to its glory again. And, and, and you, you guys are absolute, uh, you're, you're, you're crazy if you think you're actually the people. But you know what? They were. And you know what? the devil couldn't stop it. And the devil sent people over and over again in chapter four to try to do everything he could to stop and hinder and distract the fulfillment of the word of God. That's his job. That's his job. And I say to you today that I believe with all my heart that God is still the same and God has stones that were all in disarray And God said, you watch me restore those stones back into a place of worship again. You just watch me take those people out of the gutter of this world, out of drugs and immorality, and out of all kinds of churches and systems, and watch me place them in the right place in the house of God, and watch them become a temple of worship. Watch them become people who really know their God and worship their God, and they never forget the fact that they were picked up out of the dirt, and they were placed in in a place of worship here in a place of sanctity, and not because of their ability, and not because of their character, and not because of their talent. It was because of the grace of God that reached down, and God picked you up as a stone and said, you belong here, and you belong there. And the devil hates it. He can't stand it. He's brought some of you from different countries. He's brought many of you from different states. And God in the building process says, I want you to be here. And I want you to be right here. And I want you to be right here. And just find your place and stay in your place there. And and he says, I I want you to watch what I can do because I can take a man like Peter and give him the keys. I can take the best revelation God's ever sent and give it to these people in the last day and watch what they do with it. I'll tell you what they do with it, uh, Brother Worthington. They will take it and believe it to the point where their bodies will actually be changed. And the devil has no answer for that. But we have an answer for the devil. Yes, all things are possible. You think I'm beside myself, Brother Bram says, I'm not. We've got the devil's answer. It's not me that liveth, but Christ the word living in me. It's not my idea, it's his power. It's not my idea, it's his word. He promised it. Here it is. He said it would be here, and here it is. We got his answer. Christ is risen. risen. And paid the price for our redemption. We have his answer, and his answer is he's alive, and he's alive in me. He's alive in me to fulfill the last part of the of the gospel for the Gentiles, and he's here in me to take me across to the kingdom without death. We have his answer. Christ is risen. We have the answer because God came along in this last day and proved to us beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is not dead. He's not off in a fog somewhere. He's not sitting on a throne up in heaven. I believe he's with us, even in us, and will be with us until the end of the world. I believe he's here in the fulfillment of his word. I believe he's here in the whole chapter of Revelation 10, which doesn't end in chapter 7. I believe it ends in chapter 11. When, when when we had a, a voice of the seventh angel in the last day. But after that, the messenger took the book and ate the book. John took the book and ate the book. And how many know that John represents the bride? And John took the book and ate the book and prophesied again. And that's who we are. That's our part. That's a stone you are in this last day. And God said, here he is. And their, their message is, Christ is risen. He's not dead. He's still a healer today. He's still a savior today. He's still one who sanctifies today. He's everything you have need of today same as he ever has been. And that's the answer that we have. That God is not historical and God is not theology and God is not lost in denomination, but he's real, he's personal, he's alive and he's moving among us and doing what he needs to do in order to change you and transform you and get you ready to be taken into the kingdom. Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. Is it a real thing? Yes, it's a real thing. Can I stop it? No, I can't stop it. Can the devil stop it? No, he can't stop it. Can the devil stop it? Say no. No. This is where you say no. Can the devil stop it? He absolutely cannot. And that's why he hates it. That's why he hates it so much. Then we stand, Brother Branham said, justified in the presence of God. When man is truly redeemed, that predestinated seed sees it, accepts it, and his sins are demolished. When a man truly is redeemed, That predestinated seed sees it, accepts it, and his sins are gone. It's gone. It's dropped in the ink of the blood of Christ and it's never to be remembered. The best three words you'll ever hear in the preaching of the gospel, God forgets it. To him, it's all brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what he said. God forgets it. Aren't you glad God forgets it? Hey, God had a lot to forget in my case, but you know what? I'll take his word. God forgets it, it's good enough for me. If God don't remember it, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to fret over it. I'm not going to wish I did it differently back then. Hey, if God forgets it, it's gone. He gave you an opportunity to start afresh and walk in newness of life. If God forgets it, then we stand as sons and daughters of God in the presence of God. Now are we the sons of God. Now we will be. We are. We are the redeemed. Say it with me. Now we are the redeemed. Say it again. Now we are the redeemed. Put the emphasis on the first word. Now we are redeemed. Now when we're gone into the kingdom with a new body, but right now we are the redeemed right now we have eternal life right now we're living in a place where we cannot be stopped until God decides to shut it down the devil can't stop us and it grinds on him yeah. brother Joe nobody can stop you until your time has come nobody can stop me until my time has come nobody can take you off this earth until your time has come And if God wants you around here to the end, you know what? There is not enough power in hell or on this earth that is able to change that program that God has for your life. I'm so thankful for that, Taylor. I'm so glad. Tyler, I'm so glad you for this. Now we are redeemed. Last paragraph. He says, now we have Satan's answer. And God has vindicated himself. I am a little jet lagged. All right? Whatever your name is. God has vindicated himself. God proves himself to his promise in this day. Hallelujah. The headship is here. You know who that is? That's all God was he poured into Christ, right? The headship has always been God to the body, right? Headship's always been Christ, so that headship is here. Christ the risen Lord is here. In the same power of his resurrection that he ever was, manifesting himself, that's the devil's answer. That begs a question, how is God manifesting himself? Or, let me ask it another way, through whom is God manifesting himself today? If he's not here in a body, when he stood here in a body, didn't he manifest himself? Right? Broke bread, raised the dead, walked on water, right? He manifested himself. He's not here in a body now. Everybody cool with that? He's not here in a body now, but he's here. Brother Bam says it, words in black. Then through whom is God manifesting himself? The bride of Christ, right? The bride of Christ. uh, This is real simple. That, my friend, is the devil's answer. Can God do it through this people? Can God through through these losers that are living in the last day? Can God do it <laughs> humorously? Can God actually do all of that through us? Amen. And we have the devil's answer. What is the answer we want to give to him? Yes. Yeah, we, we say this, by his grace, all things are possible. Amen. Yes, sir. So let me ask you this. <clears throat> Could God raise the dead through the church today, praying for a certain person? Could God do that? Yes. Why? Not because of our strength, but because he's here. It's not, you, it's not you. It's the fact that he's here in us. That's what makes the church a powerful church. That's what makes a church a living church, right? That's what, that's what makes us a force to be reckoned with, and that's why Satan hates us. Is not because of HBT, but it's because of Christ in us Manifesting himself on the earth. Glory to God. That's the reason when this man sitting here, and he's talking about Edmund Way, who was sitting in the, in the second row in Christ's Mystery God revealed that morning. And, and Brother Branham said, We could say that's the reason why when he dropped dead the other day, and Brother Way's wife was a nurse, she was a cardiac nurse. And uh, she, she looked at him, and she said, he's gone. His eyes were rolled back at all the symptoms of somebody who's passed on. And, and he, she's looking at this, and she screams out. And Brother Bram's standing there in the pulpit. He doesn't do anything. He's standing there. People are moving around, and you know they're wondering what to do. And they're all shuffling and worried and everything else. And uh, you know some people are praying and different things. Brother Bram's standing there. And he's just waiting to see what the angel tells him to do. And finally, he just moves. And he goes and he kneels down next to Brother Way and reaches his hand like that and lays his hand on Brother Way and he says, Lord, forgive our brother. Maybe he had an attitude he shouldn't have had and lays his hand on Brother Way and all of a sudden his eyes roll back in his head and he begins to sit up and they take him out of the church there, fully alive. Back in church now. And Brother Bam said, he's sitting here so we could say, That's the reason why, don't miss the sentence here. That's the reason why when this man, Brother Way, dropped dead the other day, sitting here, we could say, come back life and cause the Holy cause, the Holy Spirit said so. It's not William Branham's power, folks. It's not, it's not your individual power. It's because he's here. And if he's here, there's really no limit to what the church should be praying for. I said there's no limit to what the church ought to be praying for because the Holy Spirit said so. Not because Brother Barry says so, it's because the Holy Spirit says so. And that's why I could come back, that little baby in Mexico, and the vision uh, came and said, call it back to life. And the doctors wrote a statement at 9 o'clock in the morning, and now it's 11 o'clock at night, and he said that baby's living today. And that baby was getting stiff. It was so, it had been dead that many hours, and, and that lady is sitting there, and she's just, uh, she's just climbing uh, over those ushers and, you know, working her way to try to get uh, into that, into that uh, proximity of Brother Branham, and the ushers can't hold her back. Nobody can hold her back, and Brother Branham's looking at this and this disturbance, and he says to Jack Moore, who kind of looks like him, he says, hey, you go over and pray for the babies, all these people here, you go over and pray for the baby, and then all of a sudden when he said that, the Holy Spirit said no, and gives him a vision, and he he says, I see the baby upright and feeding feeding on something. And Brother Bram says, stop, Brother Moore. He said, God's at work here. Let me tell you, this is not Brother Bram's, this is not a church under Brother Bram's control. That's not a meeting under Brother Bram's control. That's because the Holy Spirit says so. I said that's because the Holy Spirit says so. And what I'm saying to you today is that I believe that if this is all true here, that the headship is here, and you're the body, you're the tabernacle of God, you are the stones that God raised up to be a habitation or a dwelling place for the living God, why shouldn't we pray for things that are within the boundary of God's promises? Why shouldn't we pray for the salvation of our families? Why shouldn't we pray for the sanctification, uh, you know, to to take place in the hearts of our young people here? Why shouldn't we pray that God would uh, do great things among us here as we have need of things? And I'll tell you, as farther we go in this world, in this crazy, filthy world we have, we're going to have needs. And there are going to be people come to you who have needs. And they're looking for hope and they're looking for uh, some sort of stability. They're looking for some sort of reason uh, in a very unreasonable world. and they're looking for logic in a very chaotic world. and they're looking for a direction, they're looking for help here. And you know what? A lot of people recognize somehow or another that you're a person of peace and a person of peace, uh, he just, in, in many ways, he's an enigma. He's a mystery to people out in the world here because the world is just uh, they don't know what they don't know which way to turn. They don't know whether, you know, Mr. Trump should go to jail or whether he shouldn't. They don't know whether Mr. Biden should run for another four years or not. Hey, listen, a lot of people don't have any clue about what's gonna take place a week from now, let alone four years from now, and another four years from now. Hey, we got the devil's answer. We know exactly where this thing is going, and we know exactly where it's gonna wind up, and we know exactly who's gonna leave here, and we know that exactly there's gonna be a tribulation. Come on, somebody say amen. We got an answer for the things that are happening today. We got an answer for the people that lay in darkness here. We got an answer for people that are, confused about the times that we live in, God's given us the answer. He's 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 given us the answer. answer. You ought to be thankful God giving you the answer. And I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I don't care whether you go to every camp that opens its doors as a camp. Let me tell you, none of you will come behind in the gift that God wants to bring to you. Sister Sherry uh, Holly listening today. I know she's listening today. She hasn't been in church in months and months and months. And, and the last time I went to visit her, she's bedridden and she operates out of her wheelchair and so forth. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, even though she's not here and even though she doesn't have access to a lot of other believers and even though she doesn't, uh, you know, she's not able to come and participate in worship and uh, be a part of this, that sister believes this word. And you know what? God is as obligated to bring rapturing faith to her as he is to you that have gotten mobility. And you're gone here and gone here and gone somewhere else. And, uh, you know, you feel like, whoa, I'm in the center of God's will in all these meetings here. No, no. You're in the center of God's will when you're in the center of God's will. And, And you know what? That doesn't depend on geography. I said it doesn't depend on geography. It depends on you being in the will of God because the grass is always greener on the other side. But I got news for you. That grass needs to be mowed, too. And I will tell you something. God's obligated to Sister Sherry. God's obligated to Sister Shirley down here. Uh, Never been to, uh, you know, family camp or never traveled to many other churches here. But God's obligated to her to give her rapturing faith the same way as He's obligated to give you rapturing faith because no one's going to get there ahead of time. We're all going to get there at the same time because God said so. You should not feel like you're being you're left out. You should not feel like uh, you're somehow lagging behind. If you're a member of the Bride of Christ, God has a way. God has committed to getting you there, no matter what your physical situation is. And if you even want to plan on backsliding and getting out there in the world, but you're a child of God, the way I, I will tell you, the way of a transgressor is hard, but God's able to bring you back right to where He wants you. Because they without us are not made perfect. And they in other ages are not made perfect without us. And you know what? It's required that every member of the body be there and we'll all go at the same time. Nobody's going to get there ahead of anybody else. I said nobody's going to get there ahead of anybody else. No one has a corner on this message. Nobody has some sort of monopoly on this message here. This message was sent for the bride of Christ. Don't get the impression that I don't like to go to meetings. I love to go to meetings. When Brother Josh had his dedication down here, uh, we couldn't be there uh, for a couple of different reasons. So knowing that, I called him up and I said, hey, Brother Josh explained it to him. And he said, hey, we're, all, we're good. I said, I don't want to be a bad neighbor. I said, if you need a hammer or you need a ladder, you come on over anytime. In other words, if I can help you in any way, you let me know. You know what? And if I had been able to, I would have went to the meeting. And Brother Donnie uh, held his uh, dedication meetings up there. I had planned to go and then we were supposed to be up in uh, in Newfoundland. We're supposed to be somewhere. And I got caught in the pre-tribulation in New York. And I had, I had called Brother Donnie and I said, hey man, this, I'm supposed to be out of town, but supposed to be out of the country. I said, I, I'd love to be there. I'd be praying for you. You know what? Because I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing, to show hospitality, to show friendship, and to show camaraderie with the brethren here. And you know what? We need each other. We don't need to be sitting here criticizing one another. We need to be, we need to be helping one another. We need to be supporting one another and say, hey, in, in that church, if you, need your, if you need some help, you can always call on me. If you need And I remember one time, Brother Jason was down there. He had, he had the, the problem with his eye, and he's still, uh, he's still on, uh, on furlough. And, uh, he, you know, he, he was struggling with that. And I said, now, Brother Jason, I said, if you, need, if you need a minister, I said, you just let me say the word. I said, I'll be there. I said, I got brothers I can send down there. No problem at all. He said, hey, hey, relax. I know where my friends are. I thought it was a good response. I said, it's all right. As long as you know that. I said, you make sure you call on me and don't be sitting there thinking, well, we don't have anybody to help. We don't have anybody to help. Don't you believe for a minute. That if you're a member of the body of Christ, that you don't care what other members of the body of Christ are doing or preaching, I will tell you something, saints of God, we are all connected. And we're going to get there faster when we cooperate and when we learn to love one another and we learn to stop criticizing one another and stop politicizing the movement. We're going to get there faster when that's done. Rather than have an attitude that, well, I'm premium and I'm secondary and I'm diamond and I'm gold and I'm silver and something else. Hey, that's a bunch of garbage. I will tell you something else, saints of God. God loves his people. But watch what David says. David says, mark a perfect man and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. A a, a man described as perfect. He's a man of peace. He's not a man like... Sanballat, and Tobiah, who came against the children of of Israel here. As a matter of fact, David underscores something. Now, David came long before Nehemiah, and uh, he he wrote this in Psalm 27. Now, pay attention to this one, because this is what Brother Branham took as a text for the rapture sermon. Is everybody listening to me? It only gets gets, more interesting from here. In the rapture message, and Brother Bam takes three texts, and, he, and he, uses, he uses this one. We never knew this was a rapture text, but he identifies this, and he says, Now the Lord is my light my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If if God be with us, who can be against us? That's, that's, what, that's what David is saying. Hey, I, he saved me. You know what? I have nothing to fear. If God saved me, nobody can take me from his hand. And, and if, if he's my light, you know what? I don't need to ever worry about seeing my way. God will show me His His way. Absolutely, He is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, my foes, come upon me to eat my flesh, and they they stumbled and fell. Though an host should camp around about me, against me, though an host should encamp against me, and that word encamp means to lay siege against. Though the hosts show up like they did in the book of Nehemiah chapter four, we just read. Though the enemy should come and set up siege against me. My heart will not fear. All right. You know, that's a really easy verse to read. It's a different kind of a verse to quote when the government lays siege against this church. Or when the Catholic system lays siege against this church. Now all of a sudden you're going to pay a price to step forward and say, I'm one of them. And David simply says, though an host should encamp around about him, my heart will not fear. This is his testimony. And though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he'll set me up upon a rock. Glory to God. I get chills when I read that. Now, Brother Man extracts this verse out of the book of Psalms and says he's talking about our day. He's talking about the backdrop that is around the rapture. This is in the season when God's saints leave this earth. And he says, in the, it will be a time of trouble, and there will be wars against me. There will be enemies that lay siege around me. And in that time of trouble, God is not going to be somewhere. God is going to be right there. I said in that time of trouble, God's not going to be somewhere. God's going to be right here. That's what David said. Hey, that's my consolation. That's how I can put my head on the pillow and sleep at night. Now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies around about me. And therefore will I offer in his tabernacles of joy. I will offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto God. When my enemy has laid a siege around about me. Get the piano player up here. Get Jaron up here. Let's sing. Let's just sing. Isn't that what he says? It's going to be all right. Sister Tracy, good to have you. It's going to be all right. So let's sing. He doesn't say, all right, boys. Break out the weapons. Everybody go home to your vault and get your guns out. Do you realize how many guns we'd have if I gave that order here? Look at Tyler. Just, You mean I can go home and get my guns? Just saying. You know what he says in the midst of trouble, Matt? You know what he says? Let's get... Let's get Keith up on the piano here in the organ. Let's get Sister Becky over here. Let's get all of our musicians up here. It's looking pretty black out there, but I think we should sing. You know what that is? That's a man with a revelation. I'm going somewhere. And Brother Ram says in the, and I I want to just for a moment, I just want to talk about This background that David experiences there, it's a time of trouble. It's not a time of joy. It's not a time of, uh, you know, looking around. It's not a time of everybody's happy in the world. And I will tell you that I believe today there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of frustration out there in the world today. Anybody agree with that? Try cutting, cutting someone off in traffic. Ask Brother Ben. You try it when, you know, something goes wrong, power goes out. Power! goes out my goodness how can I use my phone I didn't charge it talk about anger people can be instantly angry today it's absolutely amazing how fast people can get angry and and this is what brother Bram says about anger he says don't fuss when the family gets in a fuss don't fuss with with them your mother said I ain't having to go up there to that old church anymore you, all you think about, you're cutting your hair. Let your hair grow out like some old grandma. Don't fuss with her. Just say, "Okay, mother, it's all right. I love you just the same." Be praying for you as long as I live. God bless you. Or in our vernacular, what would we say? Bless her heart. <laughs> Don't fuss, because you know why? Temper breeds temper, and the first thing you know, the whole, you grieve the Holy Spirit away from you. You go home and criticize the pastor and say, "Ah, oh, he preaches too long, preaches too short, preaches too fast, preaches too slow." All of a sudden, you find the atmosphere changes a little bit, and the Holy Spirit's not there. You start criticizing people in the church. You start criticizing this and that. that church never does anything. Blah, blah, blah. And you know what? The Holy Spirit takes its flight. I'm only saying what the tapes say. Temper breeds temper. Love breeds love. Be full of love. Temper breeds temper. Love breeds love. Be full of love. Jesus said, this all men will know that you're my disciples. He said, that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But I will tell you something, that whenever God's people get to moving based on the promises of God in the cycle of fulfillment, whenever God's people get moving in the cycle of fulfillment and they get moving based on the promises of God, the devil doesn't like it. He howls. Let me give you a couple of quick examples. Joe, is this all right? We all right? Here, when Cain, but unto Cain and to his offering, God had no respect. And Cain's reaction to that was, he didn't, say, he didn't say to God, well, Lord, show me what you showed Abel. The Bible just says he got angry. He got very wroth, and his countenance fell. Matthew chapter 2, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, he was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. How wroth? Very wroth. And how wroth did that get? It got wrought, it got it got fulfilled to the place where he killed all the baby boys who were two years old and younger in Bethlehem. That's pretty wroth. First Samuel chapter 18 came to pass when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. He's, they got Goliath's head on a cart, and all the sisters are out there singing with tabrets and joy and instruments and music, and they said, hey, David has slain his, Saul has slain these thousands, but David is ten thousands. What's, what's Saul's reaction? Now what's God doing? He's moving David into a position of being a king, right? He's fulfilling his word. Somebody say amen. He's fulfilling his word. He's just moving David into that position there. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. This does not stop in the Old Testament, saints of God. In Revelation chapter 13, the Bible says that this dragon that, that ascends in the last day, this one that come, manifests himself in the last day, the Bible says that he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them and power. What? It's all based on anger. It's all based on wrath. It's all based on, hey, Satan does not like what's going on. He does not like the fulfillment of his, of God's word. He doesn't like that at all. And he's wroth against it. He'll do whatever he can to stop it. He'll do whatever he can to divert you and distract you from fulfilling God's word. He'll make you think in a way you're not supposed to think. I said, he'll, he'll make you think in a way you're not supposed to think. All right, now is where you need your Bible. <clears throat> this is simply the common Jewish Bible. Sambal at Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites and so forth heard that the walls were of Jerusalem were going forward and the breaks were being filled in. They became very angry. This is just another reading of the common Jewish Bible. And all of them together plotted to come and fight against Jerusalem and thus throw us into confusion. All of them teamed up. You remember we've been talking a little bit about those 200,000 demons that were loose and they were loose against the Jews, right, to drive them all back to Israel? And that ringing a bell to anybody? And I've been asking the question, where are they? Because they're not gone anywhere. They're still on the earth. Where are they? I'll tell you where they are. Here's God's people fulfilling God's word. And they're coming together, plotting and fighting against Jerusalem and thus trying to throw us, the bride, into confusion. What kind of confusion? Well, this pastor says that this is right. And that pastor says that that's right. And you know what? They do that over in that church. And they don't. Brother Barry, you don't do it over here. And so I don't know what to believe anymore. You know what that is? That's confusion. And you know what the problem is? You're not reading the message. I said, you're not reading the message. Because to me, the message is very clear. There's a billion, a Brazilian other things that you can be looking at on your phone or on social media. A Brazilian, that's a lot. You can be looking at all kinds of things, and I'm not, I'm not just harping on social media. But I, I'm, what I'm saying is that if you're not reading the message, you don't know what the answer is. And you're going to go with the crowd, or you're going to go with the best preacher, or you're going to go with how that church does it, or something else. And you know what? Whether you realize it or not, you're confused. And, and God doesn't want you to depend on the church for all your answers. God doesn't want you to depend on me for all your answers. God has sent the answer. Amen. You need to get into the word yourself and find out, how should I dress? How should I look? How should my hair be? How long should my skirt be? And people will say, oh, I'm just being me. That's, that's me. I have a little news for you. I couldn't care less about you and what you... Did I... Should I not have said that? Because I don't really care about my ideas and about my ambitions. When I got saved, I left all of that at the foot of the cross. And I said, Lord, if you will come to me. And I said it, kneeling over a toilet in the bathroom of the church I was baptized in, in Grand Falls, Newfoundland. And I said, Lord, if you are real, come now and vindicate yourself in my life. And I will live for you. I will let you guide me and direct me all the days of my life. That's what I said. My life then becomes yours. I'm going to give you my life. And I said, Lord, but just prove you're real. Just make it real to me. And he did. And so therefore, you know, I might have an idea or I might have an ambition or I might have an idea. But you know what? If it's not according to God's will, it really don't matter. What matters is his will for my life. And what matters is his will for your life. And I can tell you, even though they may seem old fashioned, I'm not ashamed of the standards of this message. I'm not, I said, I'm not ashamed of the standards of this message. And I'm not ashamed of the, at the boundaries that God has put in place. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I think that if a boy and a girl are going together, they ought not to touch one another. And if they're gonna kiss, they ought to kiss for the first time at the altar. Because that's a standard in this message. I believe God gave you the Holy Ghost to keep you holy. I believe he gave you the Holy Ghost to keep you pure. I believe he gave you the Holy Ghost to guide you in the path he wants you to go. It's not ever, it's not ever my job to guide me. He said, I will guide thee with mine eye. You're going to love me or hate me before we're done. But I, can I be honest with you? I, just, I want to be honest with you this morning. All of them together plotted, plotted together to fight against Jerusalem. However, we prayed to our God. We prayed to our God. Because of them, we organized a watch against them day and night. And Yehuda was saying, the strength of the people who carry loads is starting to fail. There's much rubble. We can't build a wall. There's all kinds of rubble. In the in the King James version it says all kinds of rubbish. I'd like to define rubbish this morning. Look in verse 13. Therefore, I sat in the lower places against behind the wall, and in the highest places. I've I even set people after their families with their swords their spears and their bows Nehemiah is placing people behind the wall now they're constantly under attack because the enemy here is angry the enemy is trying to stop them and I looked and I rose up for 14 and said unto the nobles and the rulers and to the rest of the people watch be not afraid of them here's the leader now of of the whole restoration movement and this is what he says to the people they are constantly under attack they're, they're behind the wall protecting themselves. And he says, listen, folks, be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. And I will fight for your brethren. And I will fight for your sons. And I will fight for your daughters. And is that what it says? No, no. It doesn't say that. Let me read it again. Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. And fight for your brethren, and your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your houses. Nehemiah didn't offer to fight the battle. Nehemiah said, all right, take your swords, take your shields, take all your spears, take, take everything you have. Now stand like men and fight for your children. Fight for your daughters, fight for your house. Nehemiah didn't say, hey, relax guys, I got it. As a pastor here, I'll fight all your battles for you. And I'll answer all your questions. And I'll have the conversations with your teenagers that you don't want to have. And I'll teach them everything they need to know in Sunday school. Nehemiah doesn't say that. He said, you get your sword and your shield and you start fighting for your household. You men ought to rise up and fight for your children and fight for your sons and daughters and fight for your brothers and fight for each other. I put weapons in your hand. I have put things at your disposal here. Take them now, stand up like men and fight. Don't leave this fight to somebody else. Don't leave it to the pastor. And I got news for you. Don't leave it to Brother Branham. Brother Branham's gone. You men need to be the head of your house. You men need to be the leader of your family. You young men need to learn how to become a leader of your family. And the way you become a leader of your family is start to lead yourselves right now in your singleness, with your time and with your energy that you have and the freedom that you have and all of that. You young men need to be praying and saying, God, help me to be a man like was under Nehemiah. Help me be a man that fights for my family. Help me to be a man that knows where I stand. Help me be a man that knows what's more important, sports or God. Help me to be a man that knows what's more important, music or God. Help me to be a kind of a man that knows what's more important, being at church or being somewhere else. Yeah. Eli, that's the kind of man I want you to be. That's the kind of man I want him to be. That's the kind of man I want all of you guys to be. You're in the right place to learn that. This is one of the places God chose to bring you to learn that stuff. But it isn't just here. It's at home under a godly man who knows as for me and my house we'll serve the Lord. And he knows what's best for you, because I will give you a little piece of advice. When your children drive the family car, you're headed for trouble. I said when your children are driving the family vehicle, you're in trouble. Because they're not the parents. They're not the drivers. They're not the decision makers. I'm sorry to burst the bubble of a lot of independent, uh, uh, you know, charismatic, independently wealthy, phone-carrying Instagram-loving people here. But I will tell you something. You're not in control. You're still living under your parents' roof. You know what? You're not driving the family car. According to the Bible, your parents are driving the family car. And you may not like me for saying this, but you know what? It's true nonetheless. And we live in a culture where, where the, the, whole, the whole system of parenthood has transferred authority to the children, and now the parents are saying, well, whatever the children want. And whatever we don't want to say anything to offend them, and we want to have positive parenting, and we want to uh, we want to make sure that they have their phone at nine years old, and we want to make sure that they uh, have, do whatever they want to with their friends, my friends, and go where they, wherever they want to, and do whatever they want to with my friends, my friends, my friends, and and they you know they, they don't want to not want to interrupt that because they're afraid that the kids will do something, or or God forbid, we come to the place in the church here. Can I talk freely this morning? <laughs> I'm not against you. You might know somebody who needs to hear this, but I'm just saying this, that, that God forbid that we get to a place where we in the church can't say what's truth because we're afraid, oh, we, we don't want to offend this one and offend that. None of us should be personally trying to offend anybody. None of us, including me. But God forbid when we, when we hold back the truth in times when the truth needs to be told. Brother Branham says, you may not like it, He says, but I'll meet you yonder at the end, and you'll be thankful you heard the truth. I'm just saying that's what he said. Can I go a little bit further here? He says, hey, you fight for your brethren. You fight for your daughters. You pray for your daughters. And when your daughters get dressed, they would come to you and say, is this appropriate? Is this all right? But your daughter would have enough humility to be able to come and say, if it's not all right... I'll change it. I'll make adjustments. And I'll tell you what, I don't care whether a person's a preacher or a trustee or a deacon or a musician or whether their last name is Coffee. No offense down there. The word applies to all of us. All of us. And you don't have a monopoly, you don't have a pass on the Word of God because of who you think you are. The Word applies to all of us. And I will tell you what, a church is blessed and a family is blessed, and we have men that will stand and fight for their families. Go to 15 again. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God brought their counsel to naught. We returned all of us to the wall, everyone to his work. Watch. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them brought the spears, shields, and bows, and harbicans, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. And they which built on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laden, everyone with his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand a weapon. You're either building or defending, one or the other. But you know what? This was not pleasant. Can I say that again? This season of their lives was not really pleasant because every time they showed their head, they had an enemy there that was mocking them, an enemy that was throwing stones at them, an enemy that was making fun of them. This was not pleasant, this was not nice this is not easy to do. But Nehemiah said, half of you will work and build a wall. Half of you will spend your time defending. We'll rotate. As a matter of fact, if you even have servants in your household, put them on guard at nighttime so they'll watch when you get your, a little bit of rest. Because we're all in this together and we're going to have to work together in order to stand against the enemy. Because there's two hundred thousand, thousand demons out there that are trying to do everything you can to twist your young people's minds into thinking that it's okay when it ain't. Hear me out, folks. Hear me out. There's a lot of people think, well, you know, they have, different, they have ideas. Well, uh, you know, I don't need to listen to what Brother Barry says. In reality, that's really true. If it's just Brother Barry... You don't need to listen to what I have to say. But if I'm telling you the truth, you got to reckon with truth. If I tell you you should pay your tithes, it's not because somehow or another that benefits me. I'm telling you that because it's the Word. And you're cutting your nose off despite your face. You're cutting the blessing out of your life because that's a channel that God gave you to have blessings come into your life. I believe this, I believe this. If God called me here, and I believe he has. If God called me here, and I believe that he has. Amen. God will make a way, no matter what. Amen. God will make a way for me to continue. Unless, until God releases me and says, hey, go make wooden structures or something. Go make tables. It, 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 to me, God sent me here. I believe that. God vindicated that. I believe that. And you know what? When God finishes me, I believe I'll know that too. But in the meantime... We should follow and obey the commandments of God because they are the commandments of God, not because Brother Barry said so. All preachers do things a little bit differently. But basically, churches are a lot the same. <clears throat> let, me, let, me, let me go a little bit further. You can have all of these if you'd like to. But I wanted to, I wanted to deal with this little phrase here. In verse 9, and I'm just backtracking just a little bit. Nevertheless, we made our prayer. We had enemies. This was Nehemiah's response. We prayed unto our God, and we set a watch against them day and night because of them. Because of the enemies that we had, we we prayed. First thing we did, we went to God and we prayed. And Judas said, the strength of the bearer burdens is decayed. The people who are trying to haul this stuff around to do the restoration work, it, it's really tough. And there is much rubbish so that we're not able to build a wall. We, we, know, what the, we know what the vision is. We, we know what the job is. Our job is to restore, build walls, revive the stones. That's our job, it's very clear. But man, we're having problems because of all the rubbish that's in the way. And these guys who are carrying the beams and carrying the rocks, carrying the cement, they're having trouble. Nehemiah says, I'm just letting you know, these guys are having trouble. How come? I'll tell you how come. Because of the rubbish that's in the way. Well, let's clear out the rubbish. Mind if I clear out a little bit of rubbish? I mean, hold on, Sam, if it's in the way of the bride, if there's, if there's rubbish in the way of the bride, doesn't it make sense that we clear it out? Doesn't it make sense that I would, I would say, hey, let's get that rubbish out of here. These guys got a job to do. They need a clear path. Jason, help, let's get, this, let's get this rubbish. David, come on, we get that rubbish out of the way. That makes sense, wouldn't it? Huh, if we only knew what the rubbish was. <laughs> Can I show you what some of the rubbish is? Here's Brother Branham in the token. Stop. Don't read it. Remember Brother Branham said, this is outside of the seals. John Anthony, you're reading. (laughs) I know it's your birthday, but so what? (laughs) Brother Branham said, outside of the seals, this is the direct word of the Lord. That's what he said about the token. Anybody ever read that? He said this is a direct commission of God, is to... Is, is this token message? So he says in the token message, believe the Lord Jesus for your house and apply the token to your house. Then what do you do when you apply the token to your house? Man, I like that. I like that when Brother Bam tells us now, this is how you do it. Yeah. He gives us a command and he says, this is how you do it. All right, watch. Move all the trash out, get all the short skirts. How many short skirts? Say it. I'm not saying you're good. (laughs) He doesn't say get all the short skirts out for the women. He doesn't say get all the short skirts out for the little girls. He doesn't say get all the short skirts out for the teenagers. He says get them all out. Get them all out. This is under the heading of trash. This is what's going to hinder the burden bearers. This is actually going to hinder the burden bearers. Short skirts. You can get as quiet as you want, the shorts. The cards, playing cards, is what he's referring to. Cigarettes, (laughs)
3: televisions, kick him
2: out
5: the door, kick him out the door. I appreciate this young man here, and I'm going to pick on you for a minute. He came to me a couple of Sundays ago, and he brought a document to me. And it was a sermon he had written. He, made, How old are you, Cohen? That doesn't make Cohen a superhero or a prophet or anything else. But you know what? I appreciated the hours he put into coming up with the sermon, and writing it out, and being enthusiastic about giving it to me. It was great. He took certain scriptures and wrote them all out and connected them together and stuff. And I thought, wow. Wow. That's not trash. We don't want to move that out. We want to keep that in. That's not trash. You better believe it. When you go to apply the token, you move the trash out, get all the short skirts out. Look. Look. The problem is, folks, whether you haven't realized it or not, when you come in here and are dressed appropriately, it means you know and respect the standard of the house of God. Right? You know enough to respect the house of God, so you come in here dressed. If we go out where we think nobody sees us, except a million phones that post things on social media, and you're dressed on the other end of the spectrum, it means that you're living by a measuring stick. You're not doing it because it's a revelation in here. I said you're not doing it because it's a revelation in here. You're doing it because you're... Oh, if I wore what I wore out there, in here, somebody would say something. You better believe it. Are we okay? If I understand it right, and if I'm saying what the tapes say, you ought to kick it out the door. Not the person. Take it all out. The dances, the parties, the rock and roll, the old vulgar newspapers, and the stuff that's of the world, kick it out and say, we're cleaning out this place around here. Now, look, if you're a teenager and you're hearing me today, you don't have the authority to take stuff out of your parents' house, but I will tell you what, if you're old enough to be making decisions, you ought to be saying, I'm going to take the trash out of here. Can I go just a shade further? Now, speaking of grace, this is 1965. Speaking of grace, just for a moment. The grace of God. We got laws and bylaws. He's talking about his own church. And I got a religious, uh, sorry, and if you don't measure up to this standard, I got a religious measuring stick. If you don't measure just up to that, then you've got to, you can't come in here and so forth. This is what Brother Bram's saying. People say, we have a religious measuring stick and you can't, and if you don't measure up to that, then you can't come in and so forth. But God saves us by grace, not a measuring stick. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now watch, I'm I'm going somewhere, then I'm going to close. Our citizenship is in heaven, and they're born from above, where holiness and godliness rule. Our citizenship is in heaven, where holiness and godliness still rule. I don't know that anybody took those two things away. I think they're still in power. Godliness and holiness still rule. Real Christians that's born of the Spirit of God don't act like that. Now what Brother Bram's talking about is that famous conversation he had with his wife outside the supermarket. Remember that? And he says, Bill, you know this woman, he said in the previous statements, and you can go look it up, Brother Bram says, there was a woman came by and she had a real short skirt on and a cut off or something like that is what he said. And his wife says, Bill, how can people dress like that, you know? And he says, well, they're born of a spirit that's of this earth. He said, we're born of a spirit of God that's above. And he's explaining that to her. And he says, so real Christians that's born of the spirit of God, they don't act like that. You can be Pentecostal, belong to the Presbyterian Methodists and so forth, smoke cigarettes, drink parties. But if you're a Christian, you won't do that. Why? Because they got the list in the mail, the checkbox that says when you're baptized, here's the list. Check off each box. Now, I got rid of my high heels. I got rid of my short skirts. I got rid of this. Don't cut my hair anymore. No tattoos. Got everything done. Hand the pastor my list and say, okay, I'm okay now. You're nothing but a Baptist Pharisee. Yeah. Amen. Not you. <laughs> <clears throat> but here's what he says. I love Brother Bams' explanation here. He says this many times. He says, we have oak trees here coming up in our area. And he says, coming spring soon, and all the leaves on them trees last year are still there. It's wintertime. And all the leaves from last year are still there. He said, I don't have to go out and pick them leaves off so new life comes. Just let the new life come up, and the old leaf drops off. Amen. I love this answer. That's the same thing it is about the Spirit of God. Whether you're a Christian or not, let the new life of Christ come in. And the old life dies. And you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'd like to go one shade further carefully and say this. I was at a camp one year, and I was speaking to the young people, hundreds of young people there, and their dress was so abominable that the pastor came to me, the pastor of the camp. Girls had short skirts, and they had revealing clothing and so forth, and I mean, it was just, it was bad. My wife will remember we were at the camp, and the pastor was so frustrated and so disappointed because the people who were running the camp professed to be a Christian camp and they had all Christians on staff. And the staff people who were not message people were dressed better than the campers who were professing to be in the message. And he said, Brother Barry, He said, I I don't know what to do. If I get up, he said, I'm afraid I'd say the wrong thing. He says, would you get up and explain to the young people about our standards? Things like this. Our standards and how we do things and how the new life comes in. And now it's the life of Christ. And if it's the life of Christ, it's going to jive with the Bible, isn't it? Right? If you profess to have the Spirit of Christ, you cannot live in a way that is contrary to the Bible because the Spirit of Christ wrote the Bible. Right? So if you're a young girl and you're cutting your hair, you're not getting that inspiration from the Bible. If you're wearing a dress that's above your knees, you're not getting that inspiration from the Bible. If you're a gambler, you're not, wear, you're not getting that inspiration from the Bible. I'm sorry. We might as well call it like it is. You know why? Because Israel's heating up over there. And they're our watch. They're our timepiece. I'm just saying. So I explained to them about these things, the standards, the holiness, basic holiness. We're, from a, we're born from a kingdom where holiness and godliness still reigns and so forth. And it's not what you put on the outside that counts as from the inside and all the rest of it. And I, I did a little sermonette uh, for all the people who were there. It was great. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. And uh, <clears throat> then one girl came to us after the, after the meeting was over. And she came to me and she was in, she came to my wife and she was in tears. And she threw open her suitcase and she said, But that's all I have to wear, is these skirts and dresses that were above her knees. She said, That's all I have to wear. And we said, Well, who packed your bag? My mother did. I got asked the question, Where are our parents' heads at? I'm just saying. Shouldn't parents? know a little more, practice a little more, have the conversations with their teenagers about their dress, their conduct, their cliques. I get cliques. You didn't expect me to say that. I get it. Because you know what? There's some people that you naturally gravitate towards. Your friends have stuff in common. You might be in the same grade, uh, you know, whatever. And and you have friends in the church. I get that. But it's never right to weaponize a clique. It's never right to make somebody outside the clique feel bad because you're not in. I'm just saying. I just threw that in. But I get it. I mean, there's no harm to have friendships because we have enough people now that you can have friendships around in in the church. It's okay. I mean, that happens. We're not going to stop it. There's no point in stopping it because there's really nothing wrong with having friends in church. But when we bind together and exclude those three stooges over there, (laughs) you know what? We've weaponized the clique then. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. It happens, and it happens right here. So where are the parents? I should not be the one responsible to come into your teenager and say, now that's not appropriate. Or if you go down to South Carolina camp coming up in October, November, whenever it is, I shouldn't be the one standing at the gate and say, that's approved, that's not approved because you know what that is? That's a measuring stick. Amen. We don't live by a measuring stick. We live by the grace of God. Amen. <laughs> Parents, I'll tell you what, you need to have the conversations with your kids. And if your kids don't listen, ask me. I mean, I'd be glad to have, sit down with a family and chat and do whatever I can. But I will tell you what, if I were you as a parent, if I were you, because I did this, if I were you, I'd get on my knees and I'd be praying, God, have that preacher in church today say something that grips my daughter's heart so that if she puts on something that's inappropriate, it would so smite her and convict her that she'd have to say, "I'm wait, I wait, uh, before we go to church, I'm going to go change. Oh, and it comes from within. It doesn't come from rules and regulations and, and measuring stakes. As we don't live by rules and regulations. We live by the grace of God. And you can never legislate the bride of Christ into doing things. They live by revelation, not legislation. And I will tell you something, you as parents, you ought to be praying on your knees that God will somehow smite and affect your daughter and your son and turn them into the kind of men that Nehemiah wanted to have working on the wall. We're either defending or we're building, one or the other. But everything we do, we're doing with a sword in our hand because we have enemies. This is not a social movement. This is not, the message is not a social movement. And I would say this, and again, I have no problem with camps. I have no problem. I've had some great experiences at camps myself. I have ministered at many, many camps, more than you would know. But I would say this, when you go to, you you young people, when you go to a camp, or old people, when you go to a camp, you should pray that God sends you home with something more than just a bunch of new friends on social media. Lord, give me something more real than that. Give me something that lasts. Give me something that changes my heart. And your are parents that are here, and if your kids are there at the camp, you ought to be praying, God, let the Holy Spirit come down, and if not with any other person, let God deal with my son's heart, deal with my daughter's heart, that they would feel that conviction from the inside out and not be doing everything because everybody else is doing it. We don't live by a measuring stick. We're not measuring ourselves by each other, and we're not measuring ourselves by the movements that exist. We measure ourselves by the Word of God. Somebody ought to say, amen. "Amen." That's how we measure ourselves. Because when you're measuring yourself according to the Word of God, then you know what—it's going to be an easier time for you to stand in the presence of God. I'm not mad. I'm just saying that things are heating up in Israel. And Brother Branham is saying that if a person's really got it, if a person's really got it, we should not have to go along and pick this off that person, and pick that off there, and pick that off. There's going to come a time, if they really have a genuine experience with God, something's going to be growing from the inside out and expressing itself. And when you see a young person's on fire for God and they're willing, they're not ashamed of the standards, they're willing to dress modestly and they believe that holiness still reigns and all of that, you know what? I believe God will be pleased with I believe that God wants you to live in a way that's above reproach. Me and God, me and God feel like it's great when people can go out of here and go somewhere else and represent the kingdom well. rather than trying to influence people to go to a movie theater. Because if you're still doing that, you haven't read the message. There's a little series called What is the Holy Ghost Given For? And it's a great series. If you don't have it and you want it, it's a a great one. I've read a little bit out of it here today. It's a great one. I just ordered a hundred new seals books, the new ones that are edited for you, so I can give one to every family and every individual who wants one so that you can have it. Because it's the same seals book, but it's redesigned so it's easier to read. And I bought one new one for everybody. It's on the way. I should get them probably tomorrow. And I'll have them for you. Because you know what? Pfft, above everything else, I'd rather have you read in the Word. And I'd rather feed that inner man that expresses itself according to the Word of God so that you can be great representatives of the kingdom of God. Your struggle is going to be the same here as it is in any other church. The the church itself is not going to make the difference. What's going to make the difference is your heart in tune with God. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come. Sorry to keep you so long. God loves you. God wants the very best for you. But God's not going to come over and pick off the leaves. God causes that inner man to grow and to respond to the word. To repent when you need to repent. And to rejoice when you need to rejoice. God wants you to live for him with all your might. God wants you to live for him in a way that people look at you and say, you are different. You should take Nehemiah chapter 4 when you go home and read read it. I've read it dozens of times, dozens and dozens of times this week. It was just so on my heart. It was just so... Because the enemy comes along and says, do you think your preaching can revive the stones? Do you, do you think, actually, that you can revive the stones and make and make a difference in people's lives? Do you think you can actually do that? You've got to be kidding. That's what the enemy says to me all the time. You don't know the criticisms that come for teaching about family and different things and all the other stuff that goes on. and And the enemy is like... Do you really think you can raise real true stones out of the rubble and make a habitation for God? And I preach myself back into this job again. You know what? I think with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And I'm just supposed to preach it. And I will, by God's grace. But I know this. If God's dealing with your heart, you should find a place to repent. And if you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'd be glad to baptize you. I sure would. If you need to surrender your life to Christ, there's no better day than today to do that. Because things are heating up over in Israel over there. right with Christ. Today is a great day to do it. Today is a day if somebody needs to have prayer, I'd be glad to pray with them. But I wonder, I wonder is there anyone here who probably has some trash in the way? Or you're not really sure if it is. Pray together and just say, Lord, if there's something that's hindering the burden bearers, people who are bringing the word to us, if there's something hindering and it's my trash, Lord, speak to my heart. Help me get it out of the way. I don't want to put a hindrance in front of anyone, but I especially don't want to put a hindrance in front of somebody who's bringing the word, somebody who's laboring. Somebody's a burden bearer. God, help my path to be clear. I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit's dealing with you about that. You, you might want to just lift your hand when we pray and just say, Lord, identify that to me, Lord. Help me not just to be stuck in my own rut and help me not to be so proud that the Holy Spirit can't speak to me. But Lord, help me to humble myself before you because that's what the Holy Ghost is given for. Let's pray, Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads together, Lord. I pray you deal with our hearts deeply I pray that you would reach down deeply I pray you'd break the spirit of pride I pray you'd break the spirit Lord of, of knowledge As someone who just knows how to operate within the rules I pray you'd break the spirit of entitlement that makes people think, well, I deserve this or that. Well, Lord, may we humble ourselves at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, it's not everybody else. It's just me and you now. And I want to I wanna live a life that doesn't have trash all around. I, I want to apply the token. I want to I wanna live in such a way that pleases you, Lord. Because I know that if I'm a child of God, Your word will follow me wherever I go. Your word will find me. And I can never outrun you. I can never outdistance you because you are omnipresent. You are everywhere. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray a spirit of humility would just rest over this assembly. And Lord, you would cause us just to humble our hearts before you and just say, Lord, search me, O God. You're my desire. You're my reason to live. You are the one, Lord, that I love. You are the one that deserves all the praise and the glory. You're the one who saved me. You're the one who protects me. You're the one who goes before me. You're the one that helps me every day. You're the one that's provided mercies new every day. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I place myself, Lord, at your feet today. Lord, may we make that our prayer. May we make that our resounding cry that, Lord, that would be our desire today. Draw me close to you, Lord Jesus, in every way, in every part of my life, in Jesus' name we pray. Draw me close to you.
1: And nothing else could take your place
5: your people, Lord, we pray. Those who are sick, needy, traveling, commit them into your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Brother Andy, good to have you. God bless your folks from Kansas all around. May God bless you. May God go with you today. Amen vessel of
1: honor I
5: this morning god bless you
1: into it's like